your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 241 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And the losing streak continues as your Ottawa Senators drop to 1-7-1 and one on the young season with an 8-5 loss to the Oilers that featured no discipline, a bad penalty kill, and the continued issue of too many goals against. And let's be honest, an 8-5 game is much more fun when it's not 5-1 in the first period. Hey, it wasn't all bad news, though offensively we saw another glimpse of what the future could hold with the average age of all five sends goal scores only 23 including a beauty from timmy superstar we'll touch on what that goal could mean for timmy's season and a whole lot more plus why the organization needs to stay the hell away from tony d'angelo this is the locked on senators podcast your team every day Today is Monday, February 1st, and Pilsy, the losing streak reaches eight. Yeah, Ross, it is going to be a long, shortened season. But hey, Pierre Lebrun, looking on the positive side, the losing streak actually isn't eight. Since it was, one of their games was an overtime loss, the losing streak is only at six. Oh, wow. Start planning the parade there. Only a six-game losing streak, and then what? A one-game overtime losing streak and then a one game streak before that yeah i mean just glass half full ross glass half full looking here how do you want to be glass half full with matt murray's game can we be well i mean we can try and it's when (laughs) it's pretty telling when the first goal of the game is scored eight seconds in ross we're going to start calling these momentum killer goals it's the goals you talked about at the start of a period right after a goal and at the end of a period There were three of those in this game and one eight seconds into a game. I was just heading to the fridge to grab my my first drink of the game. And the Sens are already down one nothing before I even have a chance to turn around. But speaking on Matt Murray, those three goals, I don't know if we can blame him for those three goals. Like not a lot he could do. The first one was a tip off Josh Norris. The second was a backdoor pass for a tap in. And the third was a power play slap shot from the point from Tyson Berry that he can't see. So is it entirely on his fault? No, but man, when you're giving a team a three, nothing lead that early and you can tell the confidence just isn't there. DJ Smith had to pull him for the sake of the team, not just Matt Murray in that situation. Yeah, no doubt. The one gripe I would have is on that Tyson Berry goal. There was a screen out front, but Matt Murray wasn't battling the screen. He wasn't getting out on top of the paint. You always learn that when a player is right on top of the crease, you want to get right behind him so that you can look around. And I thought Matt Murray let too much space in between. He was a little too deep in his net. And that's why he wasn't able to, you know, even get a stick on it or a pad. And uh, I just felt like that one was the one I had a bit of a gripe with, but you're right. This was a mercy pull from DJ Smith. This was not like uh, the game in Vancouver where you're like, man, get him out of here. Everything's going through him. This was a situation where the team needed a boost and you're still in the first period. And it's not like Hogberg did any better, right? I would argue that the goals that Hogberg let in were more concerning. The clean shots just beating him off the rush. 
Yeah, Hogberg, I've, I've really touted his game. The first two starts he had, I thought he was good. But uh, this one was a tough one. But also, it's tough when you're coming in cold. You expect it to have the night off. And those goals that you're describing, the clean shots, a lot of those were on the power play as well. And when it's guys like McDavid uh, just sniping them on you, there's not a lot that a young goalie in his basically first year in the NHL can do to stop those. Pillsy, if you're a goalie for the 2021 Ottawa Senators, never expect to have a night off. Hell, even Joey Decord should be ready to go in when he's the third string goalie up in the press box. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, the fans did vote us as uh, goalies that need to be ready for games too. So you make a pretty good point there. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. But uh, the Sens, as you mentioned, need to start on time. Eight seconds in, Dominic Cahoon, and then the power play goal backdoor. James Neal just kills the Ottawa Senators, eh? Has since his Pittsburgh days and I just never liked playing against James Neal. But the positive in the first period was Colin White. I would say he is firmly out of the DJ Smith doghouse now, right? He's getting an opportunity with good wingers, and he's producing. He looks like he's moving with speed. He had a multi-point night. Nice little assist on a, a, a zag play, I guess, or you call it a crossing play in the neutral zone to hit Timmy with speed later in the game. But his goal, remnants of Zach Hyman in the first game of the season where I, I jokingly said on Twitter at Send Central that you could touch the tip of the CN Tower with Zach Hyman's stick when he batted it down. Did you think that was a little high? Colin White's goal should not have counted. I think it was... It, it was, was probably... it was payback for the headbutt goal that should have counted last year. Yeah, yeah, we'll give that to him. But I, I would say probably it, the puck was made contact with the stick in almost the exact same spot as Hyman. And the key there is it was called a goal on the ice. If that was not called a goal on the ice, then it's not getting overturned. But similar, it was called a goal on the ice, so it was too hard to overturn. So that was a good one for Colin White. And hey, good on him for sticking with the play, right? Like that's a play you could have given up on. You could have not been the guy to get that hand-eye coordination and the nice tip there, but he made it happen. And yeah, I like what you said about that assist as well. That was all Colin White setting up that play and making a simple play turn nothing into something. Yeah, and that's something that's really important when maybe, admittedly, you don't have the most skill on your overall roster. You have to create offense through the neutral zone and with speed and attack off the rush because that sustained pressure, the cycle game, isn't always going to be an opportunity for the Senators to play in, in a zone. And man, you know what's really depressing when you look at this 8-5 defeat to the Oilers? The Oilers are not even in the playoff picture right now. Like They're in fifth. So these last four losses have come at the hands of the sixth and fifth place team in the division. So going in optimistically, as we're known to be on this show, it's like, oh, we just need one and we can jump a team. And it's like, no, even these teams that are directly ahead of the Senators, it just seems there's such a gap in skill or at least in execution. Because right now, what, 16 to three was the Vancouver series. So you're looking at a situation where the Sens are being outscored like nearly triple over their last four games. Like, man, what do, what needs to happen before we finish wrapping up this game? Like, what do the Sens need to do to at least make the game more competitive into the third period? Get better players? Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, like, the I like what you're talking about. There's, these were opportunities to take advantage. Like, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed my little spiel on uh, Troy Grosnick last night, even though he didn't play. It ended up being Stuart Skinner. But most of my points rang true, even more so with Stuart Skinner in the net. This was his NHL debut. His numbers in the AHL were not good at all. So this is a guy you should have known you can pounce on. And the Sens... 
they had a couple opportunities to pounce on him and they did this time. That's what I liked about this game. Like sure. An eight, five loss is tough to stick through, but when you're looking at an eight, five loss where you had way more high scoring, uh, high danger scoring chances on five on three, it was like 13 to three or something. Your Corsi numbers are much better than the Oilers. This was just a classic example of the Edmonton Oilers having those guys that can finish the Connor McDavid's even Yamamoto looked really good out there. Leon Dreisaitl six assists, one assist away from tying the single NHL game record of assists in a game, which was held by Gretzky, another oiler. So the Senators just had an, an example here of other teams having high caliber top six guys that can finish in those high danger scoring opportunities and the senators haven't been able to and you mix that with the luck of poor goaltending and no discipline the oilers power play is lethal you can't let them get five cracks at it and they did let them have five cracks on it and four of those goals went in and there was a delayed penalty goal too. darnell nurse scored when there was a delayed penalty on so there's another example of your discipline coming to hurt you so there's a bunch of things they need to do but i will say this was a game where you can look at with positive results sure the final score didn't show that but there was a lot of positive things to like like uh only two forwards Failed to register a point last night, Ross. And that was Cedric Paquette and Derek Stepan. The rest of the guys getting involved offensively. Hey, that's actually really good. And as long as you can keep the game five on five a little bit longer is what you're saying, then you really give yourself a better opportunity. Not like they got beat by a hot goalie, despite what you said, dominating a five on five. Stuart Skinner making his first NHL start had an 868 save percentage as well, allowing five goals on 38 shots. So, I, I don't know. I mean, offensively, that's a, that's good. And then the five on five, that's good. But defensively, there's just so many miscues and not boxing out in front of the net and just allowing these simple lanes to the net. It just it, it's adding up into a situation where our boy Derek Lee pointing out on Twitter during this losing streak, they've been outscored 41 to 15. That that is like a minus 26 goal differential. It's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, that is just brutal. There, there's no chance of building momentum when that's happening. But Ross, I want to ask you, how different do you think this game is if Thomas Shabbat's in the game? If you have your number one defenseman, those five on five numbers are going to look even better. You're going to look even better on the power play. And it's you get more chances to start offense and you get a better player going up against Connor McDavid and such. Even though I thought Goody and Coburn played really well five on five, not on the PK, but five on five, they played really well up against those top guys. Certainly, he would make a difference. He's your number one defenseman. It's It goes without saying. But at that point, DJ Smith said that if he played, Artem Zub would not have had the opportunity. And he was actually really solid. He had that assist earlier on in the game. He played 13-30. And I thought he was just a steady presence, ad, as advertised, a steady Eddie. And hey, I want to see more of Artem Zub in the lineup. I'd even like to see him play on a pair with Thomas Shabbat would be really nice. But you look at how that defense sh shook out. Would, would you have guessed that going up against McDavid primarily, that Coburn and Gabranson would have like a 75 Corsi? Like they were on for more shots for, but on the PK, both of them were atrocious. Like they couldn't box out and they were allowing easy looks. So from that standpoint, I don't think Shabbat would have made a huge difference simply because four out of five on the power play. That Shabbat, we've already been saying, like, should Shabbat kill penalties because he's not right now. So he is, he has nothing to do there, but maybe you make up an extra goal or two at even strength. I don't know if we're going to see Shabbat 
uh, in tomorrow's game either. He skated a little bit by himself yesterday, but not with the team. And you got to think that's the next step before coming back and playing with the Senators. Now, Zub kind of leads me into our conversation about our Sense Central standouts. But before we get to that, we have to give stick taps to the Oilers superstars. And wow, well, just wow. Seeing them up close is, is unreal. Like Leon Drysaddle, six assists in this game. The most points ever in a game against Ottawa, seven. And everyone thought he was going to get there because he was getting close in the, in the late second period. And Connor McDavid had five points at the halfway mark of this game and people were starting to talk about Daryl Sittler's record of 10 points in a single game. Neither of those hit McDavid ending the night with five points and, and uh dry saddle with six, but those two are just special, special players. Yeah. I will admit it is a nice treat to watch the Edmonton Oilers because any, like the best way to describe Connor McDavid, when he has the puck in the offensive zone, it's like a shark that smells blood in the water. Like, He's moving so quickly. He's taking apart de- defensive guys that are just standing still. He's picking apart three guys in a tight spot. He's deking through them and getting a shot through. Like, he is just so unbelievable. And then, of course, they get Leon Drysettle in there as well. That's easily the best one-two punch in the NHL. These guys are going to get a mountain of points this season, especially when it comes to playing the Ottawa Senators, if, if last night was any telling tale. Not only Leon Dreisaitl, but also Dominic Cahoon and Timmy Superstar all recording points. So the, the country of Germany can, can put a smile of pride on their face after the first meeting between those three Mannheim alumni. So really cool moment before the game as they all took a photo together at center ice. Uh, Timmy looking great in the white jerseys. And that's going to be one for the photo album, I think, uh, as Timmy gets older and more experienced throughout his career. So a special moment for Timmy. I had bet that Timmy was going to score a goal. And where did I do that? I did it at betonline.ag. It's the number one place that we trust for online wagering. It's the only place that has you covered for us at the Locked On Senators podcast and the entire Locked On podcast network. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. When you do, make sure you use our promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That is free money in your pocket. When you put in $100, $50 is automatically added to your account. And when you put in $200, $100 right to your account. And that's why when we give you Pilsy's parlay of the day, it's all good if, if he seems to win one out of every 10. It's all good because he's trying his best. You want to ride with him or... If you understand that maybe Pilsy's parlay of the day is in a rut, maybe you're going to fade him. It's all good. It's just a, a little friendly advice from your friends at LOSP. With that being said, Pilsy, what's your bet online Pilsy's parlay of the day? Well, I'm going to start this off the way I start off literally every single Pilsy's parlay of the day. It was so close to hitting again. Obviously, the over in the Edmonton Sens game hit. But Colorado lost in overtime to Minnesota, so I was one goal away from it hitting again. Tonight, we're going to try something new. We're going to go Vancouver Moneyline up against the Canadians. I think Vancouver's been hot. The Canadians have been better than their team is, I think. So you're going to get Vancouver Moneyline at plus 143. 
Then we're going to head back to the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, up against the Nashville Predators. The special teams numbers I really like in this game in Tampa's favor. So we're going to hit money line. We're not going to get too greedy. I don't like the puck lines this year so much. So money line Vancouver, money line Tampa Bay. You're going to put that into a parlay. Put 10 bucks in, and that'll win you $28.59. Let's hope I am not one goal away from the parlay of the day again. Let's go, Vancouver. Let's go, Tampa. And just so you know, I'm going to be all over that Pilsy's parlay of the day because I did not have to retire from gambling. I had bet $10 on the Ottawa Senators at betonline.ag every single game so far this year until yesterday. And I, instead of putting down my typical one unit, which I have is $10, I put down five units on the Edmonton Oilers in regulation. So I'm back. I'm back at betonline.ag, and you can be too. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action, and don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy, so an 8-5 loss to the Edmonton Oilers, but that's a lot of offense. I mentioned off the top, it's the guys you want to see contributing as well. Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Tim Stutzla. How about the Iceman with his third goal of the year? Stick taps to Austin Watson, but he doesn't quite make it into today's Send Central standouts. But there are some players that do. Pilsy, lead us off. Who do you have as your standout from game number nine of the Ottawa Senators season? Well, I'm proud to announce again a guy that's really turning it around, and we've already talked about him on the show. My central standout from last night's 8-5 loss is Colin White. He's getting a chance to play with better skilled players. If you look when he scored that goal, Evgeny Dadanov was the guy that got the assist. He got the assist on Timmy Stutzla's goal. He's getting opportunities to hook up with these offensive, talented guys that uh, that are playing for the Senators. There's not a lot of them, but he's getting a chance to play with them. And his ice time's going up, 15 minutes of ice time, two points in last night's game, three shots, two hits, one block. I really liked what I saw from Colin White. If we can get him to improve in the face-off dot, I think you're looking at a brand new player here, and DJ Smith will no longer have Colin White in the doghouse. I'd be shocked if Colin White is a healthy scratch again this season. Oh, so would I. That it seems preposterous to even bring that up earlier in the season. You're like, okay, give this kid a chance. He's grown out the flow. He's got the quarantine hair. He might just need a couple extra days. You know, who can't relate to that? Needing a couple extra days to get up to speed through what ten months of quarantine. But he got his first multi-point game of the season. And when you look at it in the Winnipeg game. He only played eight minutes. Then he was a healthy scratch for a few more games. But in the last three games, 16-50, 16-29, and last night, 15 minutes of ice time. That's where he needs to be, between 15 and 18 minutes. And Pilsy, I know that he hasn't necessarily helped it out recently, but he's a guy who you can put on the penalty kill, and maybe he helps spark something to close the floodgates because it is outstanding in the worst possible way how bad this PK is. So Colin White, great return to the lineup these last three games. And one of the goal scorers, the only goal scorer I didn't mention off the top leading into this segment is my sense central standout. It's Drizzy Drake Batherson, Bobby Schmurder, as Joey Decord calls him. And he was all over the ice. He had this, his goal. He had 
a pair of penalties that maybe I wasn't the biggest fan of, but the two shots on goal, I just like the way he controls the pace of the game. He knows he's not the fastest skater, but he doesn't let that ruin how he plays. He almost uses it to his advantage. He, he controls tempo by slowing the game down, but being able to make quick plays with his stick. So what he lacks in foot speed, his hands more than make up for it. His IQ is always two steps ahead of the play. So I loved what I saw from Drake Batherson. I think that he's going to fit in really well with Tierney and Stutzla. I thought that line was great. And I know there's some shuffling going on throughout the game when, when the PK is, when there's five power plays each side, you're not going to be able to rotate your four lines as you typically would like to if you're the coach. But Anytime Drake Batherson is on the ice, he catches my attention. I think that he is kind of what you were hoping of getting Dadanov would bring to the lineup this season, but you're getting it in Drake. And this is kind of a, not a cautionary tale, but it just shows you that patience can pay off. This is a 22 year old now who would you say? Yeah, I think it's fair to say Pilsy the last two years when he did get those sniffs, those 20 plus games, each of the last two years, he didn't look comfortable. And this year he is an NHLer through and through. Yeah, I agree for sure. Like a big part of that was gaining that weight, gaining that muscle, getting that size to feel a little more comfortable. And yeah, there's no rush to get a guy like Drake Batherson into the NHL or there shouldn't have been. And I'm glad they they held back on that a little because the tools were all there. You know, like you could tell he had a good shot. You could tell he had good vision. You could tell his two-way play was great. All of that was obvious in Belleville. He just needed to work on some minor little things that'll help him shift by shift in the NHL. And that's happened. And I really like him on that line with Tierney and Stutzla as well. I think him and Stutzla will get some nice chemistry. And Tierney's a guy I always like. He That's another guy big time that needs to work on his face-offs. But other than that, I like his 200-foot game. He's solid defensively, and he can set both those guys up for goals. So really good by DJ Smith mixing up the lines, and I think we're starting to see a little bit better chemistry throughout the lineup here. Yeah, great point. And you can go to Twitter at Send Central and have your say on our Send Central standouts. We had Colin White. We also had Artem Zub and Brady Kachuk. Ho-hum, another eight-shot performance from Brady Kachuk. It just seems like it's the norm. Lots of great replies. People loving that Timmy was going hard at the end of the game, even in a blowout. That was from Brochensky. It's great to see Brochensky back on Twitter. He's been a Sense Central citizen before. But yeah, a lot of people mentioning Tim Stutzla, even though he only played 13 minutes, the third fewest on the Ottawa Senators. Is that a problem or is that simply getting him back into the rhythm? You got to think he's not at 100% health if he was held out for those precautionary reasons for a few games. Yeah, tough to tell where his health is at. First, a quick thing I want to mention, it's really disappointing that Timmy Stutzla scores his second NHL goal, a beauty goal, and the Sens are just getting absolutely beaten up, so he can't even sell it. That's a little sad. I would have loved to see a little emotion out of him there. But hey, good on him knowing the situation and not uh, letting your emotions get the best of you and getting fired up after a goal because they were out of it completely here. But As far as Timmy's ice time is concerned, I don't think it's a huge problem because he's getting those looks on the power play. He's still getting decent amount of uh, time on ice. And yeah, sure, you don't want to see him down there with guys like Paquette and Watson and uh, those guys on time on ice. But remember, DJ Smith's trying to keep these guys confident. He's trying to put them in positions to succeed. So having Timmy Stutzla out there for 17, 18 minutes a night when the goalies aren't stopping anything and you're just getting destroyed out there isn't always the best move. And 
it's a slow process. This is a 19 year old kid who's only played a handful of games in the NHL. There's no need to put a massive workload on him. You can ease him in. And when the senators are on their eighth game losing streak, you're not exactly worried about getting those two points at the end of the night. So ease them in like they're doing. I think it's fine. It's going to be really intriguing. We're going to dive in tomorrow. The fact that if Tim Stutzla is in the lineup, he will burn the first year of his entry-level deal. Usually it's the nine-game tryout this year. They've had to push it up with the shortened season. So a very big decision, although one I believe you and I are on the same side on, that you burn that year. No problem. Get him into the fold. Get him acclimated, rather, to NHL hockey. We're going to get Pilsy's take on that tomorrow because to play in the NHL, you got to bulk up. And that's why Timmy's probably grabbing a mixed box of Built Bar, and you can too. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On as well to get 20% off your first order. How's that for a welcome into the world of Built Bar? Built Bars are the protein bar that tastes like candy bars. Actually amazing. I had one myself this morning. I had the peanut butter brownie one. It has 20 grams of protein. That's why I'm buzzing on the today's show. 170 calories, only three grams of sugar. It's great for the health conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. I always call it the nutritional grand slam. You can call it what you want. I'll just say they're good for you. No doubt. Low calorie, low sugar, but high in protein. And most importantly, high in fiber as well. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. If you like nut flavors, perfect. They got eight different kinds for you. Prefer staying away from nuts, maybe an allergy. They have chocolate nut-free options for you as well. All you got to do to see all the great flavors is go to BuiltBar.com. But we like to narrow it down here on the Locked On Senators podcast. And how do we do that? Well, Pilsy's parlay of the day doesn't always go well. But Pilsy's pick of the week? Oh, it's undefeated. So, Pilsy, what do you got for the, the team today? Hey, well, yesterday I suggested you guys try out the German chocolate cake built bar, and all three German players had a wunderbar performance with uh, six assists from Dry Seidel and then a goal apiece for the two young Germans. So, that was a good flavor for sure. Let's try a new one here. I love the fruit flavors that built bar does, they mix well with the chocolate. We're going to hit you up with Cherry Barcia this time. The cherry flavor, I'm a big fan. Cherry ice cream is one of my favorites. I love cherry mixed with chocolate. So the Cherry Barcia, you guys are going to love that too. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar. Get it today, Cherry Barcia. You can check out Cherry Barcia and a whole host of other flavors at BuiltBar.com. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On. And that'll get you 20% off your first order. So, Pilsy, of course, as it should, the focus solely on your Ottawa Senators and how they can climb out of this porous 1-7-1 and start to the year. But we have been keeping our eye around the league. There was a, a blow-up and a pair of trade requests. Which one should we start with? Let's start with the blow-up. Get it, get it going right off the bat here. Yeah, well, this one's been simmering for a while in New York because Tony D'Angelo's character has been you know, in question for a long time. This is a guy who Since was before the draft. Definitely. And that's why he fell in the draft initially in the OHL. He's basically confirmed. I don't even think that I feel bad saying that he's a racist guy. He's, he's on the, he's on the, the election is rigged train. He's a huge MAGA guy. He's got his podcast, watch the tone, which 
Uh, Laleem's Martian cleverly put watch your waivers uh, yesterday. Just an unlikable guy to say the least. And stories are coming out in New York about how he's treated Keandre Miller, the African-American defenseman who's going to be an absolute stud. Unfortunately for Ottawa, they actually moved back in the draft and they in the pick with the Rangers where they selected Keandre Miller. And I was like, man, that kid's going to be That's the guy we wanted. They ended up getting uh, JBD there, though. So it's not all lost in that situation. But, man, that is a tough story. People are saying he took the puck after Keandre Miller's first goal. That's been kind of refuted. But one thing we know for sure is after their last game on Saturday, in the hallway, not even in the dressing room, Alexander Georgiev, the goalie, and Tony D'Angelo had a blow-up in the hallway, and they had a miscommunication on the overtime goal against. But Georgiev, maybe coincidentally, but has MLK on his on his mask, Martin Luther King. And we know that Tony D'Angelo couldn't care less about that whole part of history in itself. But I don't think they were battling over history, maybe just the fact that they don't like each other one bit. The result, however... And this has been, as we mentioned, a long drawn out process. Tony D'Angelo and his $4.8 million cap hit over the next two years is on waivers. Pilsy, A, how surprising is it for a 53-point defenseman to go on waivers? And B, why should the Sens stay absolutely as far away from him as possible? Well, to answer your first question, how surprising is it to see a defenseman with 53 points on waivers? Shocking. Shocking. Like for a 25-year-old right shot defenseman who, and 53 points is really impressive, but 15 goals also is damn impressive that he's already signed for two years. He's seems like an up and coming defenseman that's going to do well. So that is very shocking. The second part, should the Sens have anything to do with them? Absolutely not. You need to practice full social distancing, full quarantine mode with Tony D'Angelo. Don't even see him outside for a walk with masks on nothing can't have any part of Tony D'Angelo because sure the the stats are there for sure but you cannot have a guy like this come into your locker room who DJ Smith and Derek Stepan already have stated that it is a fragile room right now after that loss you cannot have a guy like this come into the room and shake things up it's unfortunate that that's uh that's the attitude and kind of person Tony D'Angelo is but you can't have that in today's league and in today's society at all. So you don't want him being a part of your working environment if you're the Ottawa Senators, especially on a team with a lot of young and developing players. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Tony D'Angelo because he would make a lot of teams really good. But do you want to have that as a part of your team and culture? Probably not. Hard no for me. And by the time you're listening to this, you probably already know what's happened. It's 1115 waivers will be announced at noon. And honestly, I'll be shocked if he's claimed at all. I think that he's just a cancer to any locker room that he steps into. And when you're the Ottawa senators and you bring in Eric Goodbranson, when you bring in Austin Watson and Derek Stepan, you're bringing in these veterans who you want to inhibit this culture of growth and leadership. You take down every single step of rebuilding this organization from the Hoffman Carlson drama and that whole situation. And you make it 10 times worse than that by bringing in a straight up racist piece of crap human being. I don't want him around the kids in this organization. I think that he, he would be, uh, I don't think he's, he should be welcome in any NHL locker room. I think that it's, he's just a terrible dude. And um, yeah, good riddance to him, honestly. 
Uh, but he's leaving for the wrong reasons, whereas two young players are coming in to trade requests. Quite honestly, I would say Sam Bennett, fourth overall pick in 2016. And for, for him, sorry, not 2016, 2014. And for him, it was always overhype. Like he was always going to be just a third line, like grinded out type player. He can contribute offensively a bit, but out of junior, it was all like, oh man, could he be a 40 goal guy? Could he be like, you know, Jerome McGinley type going into Calgary? And it really hasn't worked out for him that way, but he's a guy I'd be really interested in if I'm the Ottawa Senators as a almost a reclamation project, but not really pills. He's actually, like, he's a pretty good player, no? Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to decide what kind of scope you're going to look at him with. If you're starting with the fourth overall and you're looking at his numbers, you're probably not too impressed. But he's he's consistent. You got to give him that. I mean, three seasons in a row, 26 points, 26 points, 27 points. The problem with him, Ross, for me, is I don't see him performing better than some of these up-and-coming Sens prospects. And I know plus-minus isn't uh, always a telling stat, but when it's consistent, it's not good. Minus 11, minus 16, minus 18, minus 6, minus 1, and he's a dash for this season. So for me, Sam Bennett isn't a guy that really moves the needle, and I don't think the Sens should look into acquiring him because I think what you're going to have to give up to get him isn't worth what you're going to get from him. That's fair, especially with the log jam at forward. The other young player asking for a trade is Victor Mete of the Montreal Canadiens. Now, what's interesting about both of these players is they play on Canadian teams, Bennett, Calgary, Mete, Montreal. Therefore, the quarantine process wouldn't be as rigorous if the Senators acquire either player. Now, is Victor Mete with the Sens' defensive struggles, would he be more of interest if you're Pierre Dorian? I think he's someone you're interested in for sure. He's a young defenseman. But again, I think the up-and-coming defense prospects for the Senators are going to be better than Victor Mete. He's a five foot nine defenseman. Who does that remind you of? Eric Branstrom, right? So that's a guy you're going to want Eric Branstrom to come in and take that opportunity. And Victor Mete is a young, solid two-way defenseman. The Habs are going to be wanting a good package for him. I don't think it's worth trying to get him right now, especially because... Any, any move, you're not trying to improve your NHL roster now, right? Like the Sens are in dead last place. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better. The reinforcements were already brought in with Paquette, Coburn, and Stepan. That already happened, and it's not working out. I think if you're the Sens, you got to stand pat, and the only moves you can, can be making is near the deadline shipping veterans for future assets. So unfortunately, I think Vic, Victor Mete could be a good part of this team and help them out right now, but I don't think it's worth what you're going to have to give up. Uh, that's a fair statement. I just think the Sens decor is so bad right now that Victor Mete couldn't hurt. He's 22 years old, and unlike Eric Branstrom, he's already cemented himself, I think, as an NHL defenseman with 11 points, 51 games last year. He's plus 17 as a rookie, or sorry, in his first full season. He played 49 the year before, but you mentioned how Sam Bennett's always been a negative player. Victor Mete's always been a positive player anywhere he goes, so... I think that he's out of the two. He would be the guy who I lean towards. Would you rather Bennett or you'd rather Mete? Mete for sure. Yeah. And especially with the defensive struggles, like, man, if you could get him on the second pair playing with a guy like Zub, actually, it would be a nice combo. Mete and Zub. I think that would be great. Yeah. I like Victor Mete. Don't get it twisted, but I just don't think he's the right move right now for what you would have to give up to get him. Like, what do you, what do you think the Habs ask for, for a guy like Mete? I would give up a second next year and probably a third. But the Habs are probably looking for win now pieces, right? So I don't know if they want draft capital. 100%. And especially Bergeron has acquired a ton of draft capital. But 
hey, the draft's in Montreal. So, you know, and it could be a double year draft. You want to go out with a bang. Hey, that's just it. So we'll see the bottom line though. And the reason we bring this all up at the end of the show is the fact that the Sens need to do something. You can't watch this burn and not try to extinguish it somehow. Like, yeah, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose. That's fine. But they have been blown out in four straight games completely. Like why? Like, I don't want to say why to even show up, but like in this, no third period has mattered in the last five games. But look, I think we have to, it's going to be tough. This is going to be a long, shortened season, like I said, but you got to look at some of the small victories within the game. We can't always look at the score because that's going to be pretty obvious how that's going to go. I really think the Sens looked great five on five. Goody and Coburn, that is not a pair you would expect would do well up against Edmonton's top six. They did do well five on five. So I think there's a lot of little things that the Sens can build off here. And like I said, the the Sens already made their moves to get those reinforcements that they thought were going to help shelter this team. At this point, I think you almost got to go down with the sinking ship. You can't put more future assets in trying to keep this this ship with holes in it uh, from sinking. Wait and build that new boat for next year. Start working on that boat. Let this boat sink. Wash it away. Get it stuck in the tides, and we don't have to worry about it. But I don't think you can be giving up future assets to try to just to try to salvage a couple extra wins this season. All right. Well, let's end on a positive note first. I guess a final negative note, Mike Riley led all defensemen in ice time, all senators, players, Mike Riley, Mike Riley played the most out of any Ottawa center last night. And that's something you, you just have to laugh because it's absolutely absurd, but to finish off. And I mean, we could always just read Brady Kachuk's stat line and it's always impressive. Another multi-point game, eight shots on goal, two hits, and he played 17 minutes, but all in all, the fact the kids are stepping up, is all that's going to stop this from being the longest shortened season of all time. We'll be back tomorrow to tee up the Oilers Senators part two and what can they do to make it right. And we'll also follow up on what the Tony D'Angelo situation fallout is. And will Tim Stutzla have a year burn off his entry-level deal? All that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.